Uh, hey, this is Andrew Freeman from the Van Lassen Line, and you are listening to Focus on Metal. Horns up. Hey, Metalhead, Scott here. And Richie. And you are once again listening to that which we like to refer to as Focus on Metal. So another Metal Week as we climb uh, towards the uh, end of spring here. And, yeah, uh, we've been lucky this year. We didn't get snowed under a lot. No, it's well, good. Well, not, not yet. Yeah, that's true. Not yet. <laughs> it's a good thing. You can't really drive a muscle car in the snow, so... This year has been good for me. But, of course, the other part is that, is that the uh, the metal keeps chugging here. It does. 2016 has been a pretty damn good year for metal. It's been, uh, been a shitty year for people dropping off the face of the earth. But uh, for the most part, it's been good for metal. It has been good. It has been good. There's been some really solid releases out. Yep. Um, the new Anthrax is out. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like it. Yeah. I think Joey's vocals on it is, are amazing. Yeah. I... I really do like Joey's vocals on it, um, and I do like the album as a whole. As much as it's good and I like it, it's it's not memorable. I it's it just doesn't stick with me. That's the only thing I like. I like the what to defend avenge, I like that song. But I like that song because it reminds me of John Bush era Anthrax. But that's the one that, that kind of sticks with me the most. But the others, I mean, I listen to it, and I love it while I'm listening to it, but when I'm done, I, I don't remember any of it. Well, you need probably need to listen to it more. Listen to it for a week straight. <laughs> I think worship music really surprised a lot of people because it was so fucking good. Uh, because you had that, there was a disaster with Dan Nelson. Yeah, and worship and then, music stuck with you. I yeah, mean, I'd turn that off, and I'd be, I'd be singing choruses. And yeah, stuff. but that wasn't. That was a really, really strong record. That was one. I think that's one of their best albums. I would agree. And, and then you had you had an album like this one coming out, uh-huh. and that's a pretty fucking hard album to follow. You it know? is, and, and, and it's like it, I said, it's, it's, a, it's a good album. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. It's just. I don't remember anything off. I of think it. the expectations that people have on this, they're expecting the band to fucking wow, they've done worship music. Now this sure. thing's gonna be unfucking believable. Yeah. And, and you're just you're setting the bar too high, I think, for 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 something, you know. And the band the band writes the songs they can write now. Uh-huh. And um it's a little bit different, I think, to worship music. Yeah, it's definitely. more. I think it's a little bit more varied, if anything. Um, I don't know. You know what? You know what else I love on the album? I love the guitar solos on it, and I can very rarely say that about an Anthrax record. Uh huh. I Dan Spitz's solos to me were, yeah, yeah. And then they had all the guest guys on from sure. a lot of the John Bush stuff. But the thing that always st- stuck with me about Anthrax was. There was great riffs there, but I think this one has some great guitar solos on it. Really melodic, real long solos that really stick with you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even even John was very happy with his solos, but um, you know, even there, there's a certain amount of of, of uh, you know Charlie saying, "Look, this is how I want you to do the solo." 
type of stuff too. So it isn't. It's not like John can go in there and just rip whatever he wants. Mm. Um, the other part is is that he does compose what he does for solos too. So maybe that's part of what what you like about it is that there's a lot more thought put into it. So there is more melodicism to it and how it relates. And sometimes if you just do, you know, you just go in there and you just rip something off, you lose some of that. So he's got almost like little songs within songs. And mm. maybe since you like vocalists and lyrics and all that maybe that's part of what you like is that it's like singing to you yeah and the other thing I think Charlie Venanti is an amazing drummer holy shit he is yeah amazing yeah, yeah. still you know I just I liked I liked the album um, it had big shoes to follow on I think it, a lot of people are disappointed initially initially with it I don't know why they'd be disappointed I'm certainly not disappointed in it mm. uh, I put it on and it was like yeah, all right, you know, and you're driving along and it feels good and, and everything. It's just, like I said, you turn it off and I'm like, okay, I don't remember anything. Mm. That's So in the last six months, we've had three of the big four brought out albums, rank them. You're not a Slayer guy, first off. That's true. So are you going to go Dystopia better Oh, yeah, than... Dystopia, yeah. Okay, I probably would as well. I'm probably going to go... Megadeth, Anthrax, and then Slayer. And, and, and we did. I mean, you had the Slayer album in the car when we were driving up to some show. Yeah. Um, the Trivium show. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was good. Mm. Yeah, it was definitely a it's good, good. album. It's good. Yeah. It's a Slayer record. Yeah, it's, it's, it is good. Well, I mean, there's Slayer albums that I'm like, yeah, all right. And then there's, I'm like, eh, really? But that was a good one. Yeah, it's a good. Uh, not, I mean, that was one I was almost was going to go out and buy. Yeah, it's I not. Listened to it's it, not, and I was like, you know what? I, I'm liking this one. Yeah, it's not shit by any stretch of the yeah. imagination. It's a good record. Yeah, it's just the other two are better records. Dystopia is great. Oh, it's fantastic. You know, and the Anthrax album is really good too. And God knows when Metallica are going to bring out another album. Well, there'll be another two Megadeth albums before that we can talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and maybe even another and maybe another Anthrax album. You never know. It could be. You know. It could be. But, uh, yeah. But anyways, this week, as we promised last week, we have our talk with Andrew Freeman. But uh, we'll get to uh, all of that right after a track of the week. So, track of the week this week comes to us via our friends over at Pure Underground Records. As you guys may know, Pure Underground is another imprint off of Pure Steel. And I noticed a few weeks ago, I was kind of ignoring a lot of the Pure Steel releases on the show. Uh, of course, I always tweet when they got new stuff coming up. And I'm like, you know what? Shit, I'm getting a little behind on letting people know about what's going on with our friends over at Pure Steel Records. So, again, from their Pure Underground Records had a uh, pretty cool re-release that came out recently, and that is from the Polish band Axe Crazy, which, if you're curious, comes from the uh, single that Jaguar put out in 1982. So good little uh, Nawabum connection there with these guys. But uh, as I said, these guys are out of Poland, and they put out their EP called Angry Machines back in 2014. And this year, Pure Underground decided to re-release it on limited edition vinyl. So if you're interested, you could always head up to uh, pureundergroundrecords.com, see if there's any more of these ones available. Very uh, very limited copy, but it 
did allow me to play some pretty cool Nuwabam influence music with some modern twist to it. And they've got a lot of the, you know, good twin guitar leads like Iron Maiden, good vocals, just powerful stuff. And, and you can really hear what these guys, you know, bring to the table of modernizing a Nuwabam sound. If you guys are into this or you want to check out more or contact the band, you can get a hold of them at facebook.com slash X crazy band so as i said our track of the week this week from the re-release off of axe crazy's angry machines this song is called saber tooth tiger Last week, this week, we're talking to Andrew Freeman, vocalist for Last in Line. That's why we're calling this episode Last in Line 2. And uh, cool guy called us uh, between going to Starbucks and going to a NASCAR race. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was uh, I was down doing the shopping and I got a, a message from him. I can do it in the next few hours. And I'm like, oh, fucking hell, timing. I'm like, <laughs> I'm f- bags of shopping and all that. But we, we made it happen. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he was... Really nice guy to talk to. I think we talked to him for about, about over a half, half an hour. About a so. half an hour. Yeah. Um, a lot of different questions than Vivian's. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of different questions, which is what we wanted. Again, this was more of a definitely a conversational thing with this guy. We didn't. Yeah. We just went straight into it. Yeah. And um, talked a lot of you know talked about a lot of different things. Yeah. Talked well, a lot of it. Well, you know, usually the thing with an interview too is is. If is a little bit of a notice, then you know, doing an interview, I liken it a little bit to getting ready to play a gig, and you you get a thought process in your process in your head, and not that it's a script, but you you kind of get you get an energy going, and you you kind of get a train of thought going, and it may not always work out, and you may have to shift gears and go somewhere totally different, but you get you get revved up, 
for it. You know, you get prepped for it. It's that whole Axel Rose is going to wait till he's ready to go on stage kind of a thing. And with Vivian, it was it was pretty easy for that. That you had a train of thought, I had a train of thought, and we were just ready to rock and roll. So with Andrew, it was a little bit different too because. Yeah, it was literally like I had just shut down everything in the studio. It was like done for the weekend. And it was like, oh, shit, okay, fire everything back up. And and not even really had time to, to run through my head, like what we were going to talk to this guy about. And, and Well, the thing with Andrew was uh, everything we talked to him about really had to be current. Yeah. Because with Vivian, Vivian could go from last in line and then he started talking about Ronnie yeah. and of course we we know all about Ronnie we have all those albums yeah. we had all those albums years ago but with, with Andrew I knew Andrew had been in Lynch Mob and I knew he was in Raiding the Rock Fault because yeah. we've we had Paul Shortino and Rob yeah. McCauley on before but other than that I'd only heard him on this album yeah. so I couldn't start talking to him really about a lot of right. the other stuff so everything we spoke about was current there was yeah. a lot of talk about Jimmy a lot of talk about the Def Leppard crews yeah. but even la- even you know in trying to talk about Last in Line usually you have some kind of footing so this was a little different that it was just like just going to wing it yeah you know and just it and it literally like you said it was a conversation so you know he brought mm-hmm. something up we just linked on to that and kept going and in the end it it turns out really good it's mm. just it's just a different feeling vibe on the interview yeah you know? yeah one of the things that we I t- we talked touch on on with andrew and i i said it a couple of times uh, either on facebook or, or or on the show maybe was get the deluxe version of this dvd oh, yeah, yeah, because to. there's a there's a section in this that's an hour long and andrew interviews vinnie jimmy and vivian yeah all about the first three albums mm-hmm. that they did with ronnie and it is a must see. That it is, one's more orange. It, it is fan. Yeah, it's fa- it's a fantastic interview. Yeah, where they really go into detail about making the albums and what Wendy was like and what Ronnie was like. Yeah, and it's it's really really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely is. Um, you know, I touched a little bit when we talked to Vivian on it, but that is really just awesome to watch. I, I part of the DVD. What I like about it too. And I literally just realized that, like right now, is that they they did it perfectly. That if they had put that interview up front, it wouldn't have been as good. Because what they all the stuff that happens before that really shows you the camaraderie in the band. Yeah. And so when you get to that interview part of it, you're already like, these guys are a band. These guys are a bunch of friends. They work well together. There's chemistry. So when you get to that, you can kind of see the comedy in what they're doing, that they're having fun, that they're poking fun at each other. They just did that so well. Just even, And that may have just been a total freaking accident mm. with the way that they sequenced that. But the way they set that up, I think that's part. I'm just, like I said, literally right now I'm thinking about it. If that was first, it wouldn't have had the same impact. But the other thing, cool thing about that second part of it, that interview, was the fact that as they got through that Vivian was pretty solid like the whole way through. Uh, but you, by the time they got to Sacred Heart, like he had actually kind of broken Jimmy and Vinny down and, and they were actually finally like starting to say shit. Yeah. That originally the, the, the two albums before that, 
they weren't saying anything. No. Like, Vinny was really, like I said, oh, that one's more orange. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's a lot of orange in that. Oh, that one doesn't have quite so much orange. You know what? <laughs> but then when they got to that third one, and it finally was, they started, like, actually saying things that they just were like, they didn't want to go there. Yeah. And they finally did. And so you see the the chemistry and the teamwork and the camaraderie and it, and it all and it comes together and like with a band standing together mm. you know and and i really like that part of it um i also like watching jimmy get all tangled up on his microphone cable and and i mean he was just hilarious with with the shit that he was doing so. yeah he probably doesn't like to sit for too long he's he's, I don't he's think practically so. lying down on the ground by the end of it but, <laughs> but it that is well worth getting. Yeah, it absolutely. Is, it's not a 20-minute thing. There's about three hours of extra footage. It's great. It's great and stuff. And it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, and you got, you got a couple of the music videos in there as well, which is great. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the whole thing, and, and Pilsen's in there as well. So uh, I think the Pilsen's dog's in there. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, like, like Richie said, go get the deluxe version. Probably might have to go if you go to Target. Look, look behind Little Wayne. You'll find Last in Line. Yeah, <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> Jesus, but uh, yeah, but good stuff. And and obviously we had a lot of fun talking to uh, ta- talking to Andrew. So uh, let's let's do that. Let's mm-hmm. launch that one. Sure. All right. Hello, Andrew. How are we doing? How are you? I'm good. All right, man. Sorry about all that. <laughs> it's cool. I I understand. Like you're in the middle of doing media for this. First off, first off, we want to apologize for something that we didn't even know about. You actually called our number on Friday at four thirty for an interview that we never had confirmed. <laughs> uh, it was one and the same. I'm sorry about that. No, it's yeah, it's it's, it's, had... it's not your fault. It's like you know I'm yeah. you know it's just one of these things. We're checking the messages and we're like. Hang on a second. I did ask for an interview, but I never got it confirmed. So, of course, we weren't in it the studio. Say, it did say on my sheet that it was it was to be confirmed. So, no, I never got um, I never got a confirmation. Yeah. Well, the problem is the person who scheduled the interviews um, is not our management. So he scheduled it, sent it to our management. And my management sent me a schedule, and um, it said it said TBC on there. So I, no big deal, dude. It's not a big deal at all. No, it's cool. So, Actually, Friday was the worst day ever. I, I was trying to, I just bought my house that I live in. Okay. So I was dealing with that. Had to co-sign with my daughter. She bought a car. <laughs> uh, I had my son. He had all sorts of stuff. It was like nonstop madness all day long. So no worries, bro. Wow. It was kind of like, okay, good. I got to go. <laughs> so, so so where are you now? Where's the NASCAR race on? Uh, we're at um, we're in Las Vegas. Oh, you're in, you're in, I know you're doing the Raid in the Rock Fault. Um yeah. So, yeah. I, all right, I got my co-host here, Scott. Hey, Andrew, how you doing, man? Doing well. How are you doing, Scott? Pretty good. I thought I had a suck day on Friday, but, um, yeah, you got me beat, so there Ooh. you go. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of stuff that needed to get worked out got worked out on Friday. It just all hit the same day. It was like a perfect storm of bullshit all day long. <laughs> you know, but it had to be dealt with, you know? Yeah, yeah. It was done. So. Yeah. So how's, um, how's the media going for the album so far? Are you doing a lot of it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I just did, did, did about six or seven interviews for it so far. Yeah. Um, hasn't been too rough. You know, I think Vivian's getting the, the bulk of everything because, you know, that's that's who they, a lot of the people want, you know, and um, which is fine with me. You know, you can do, you can do all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we had Vivian and we had Vivian and he was great, but like we wanted to get you on because like you're the new guy in the band. You know what I mean? That's me. Yeah, yeah that's you. <laughs> So um, it must be tough, though, doing the, the media. A lot of people asking about Jimmy. 
Uh, yeah, everybody does. I mean, it's and it's, it's kind of nice that they do because I, I always feel like Jimmy doesn't get enough. You know, he doesn't get enough uh, respect and press, and and uh, I'm happy to talk about him. He was a good friend, and and uh, we just actually did a. I, I sat in with um, Doug Aldridge's band last night. They played here in Vegas, and Doug Aldridge and um, um, Brian Tishy and uh, oh, Dead Daisies, the Dead Daisies. No, they're called. They did they do like a three piece cover band. And uh, they grab, it used to be with Michael Devin on bass. Uh, they have another name for that. But they just throw bands together, give it a name, and go out and do like a bunch of covers. And it's fun because those guys, the two of them together, are like, you know, they, they lock in really well. So hmm. but we did, uh, we did, oh, God, Last in Line, and uh, we did uh, Heaven and Hell and and Holy Diver. And it just, you know, I haven't played the song since the cruise and, you know, since, you know, the day after Jimmy died. So. Yeah. It was kind of emotional, especially playing with Doug. You know, Doug's got that whole background with Jimmy as well. And and uh, so it was, you know, for a little cover jam, it was really a powerful, emotional thing, you know. So, and then we just, you know, whenever we, you know, been doing these songs, you know, you always go up and you like to make a little mention of, you know, Ronnie and, and uh, you know, you just, I think people forget that how involved, you know, Jimmy Bain was in, in the writing of those, you know, three records, you know, and, um, yeah, so it's uh, it was nice. We I just said a little something about him, and, and uh, so and you know I guess it, rather than go off to a tangent, you know, getting back to your question, yeah, I love talking about Jimmy. So I don't, you know, we can yeah. talk about him all day if you want to. So he was a good dude. It's very interesting about well, it, I love the DVD that came with the deluxe version. I, I think it's really, really oh, well you. done. It's it's nice thank and you. long, and it's very detailed. But one of the things I noticed about it was. Um, you, the way you wrote the songs, you, you actually jammed the songs. And I want to tell you that we did, an, we did a special um, series on Dio's Strange Highways album where Tracy G was on it. And we had Vinny right, on. Great and, album. Yeah, we had Vinny on and we, we had every, Jeff Pilson on. We spoke to everyone that was still alive in the band. And they said the same thing about that record is did, did jam and then Ronnie had look up and say I like that part and I don't like that part and it's good to see right. that you, you did this album the same way that the three guys in the band just went right this is the way we're doing it we do the way we we do it the way that we know and that was really nice to right. see yeah it, it's hard to uh, you know especially these days you know with touring schedules and you know I live in Vegas now those guys are in LA you know it, it, it just really worked out you know we kind of had the same formula and um, as far as you know those guys getting together and just, you know, being able to, you know, no pressure, just get in there and start jamming ideas, you know, and, and uh, cause it's just, it's nonstop, you know, even when we're just rehearsing for like, um, for, for shows, you know, we, we have no agenda of writing any songs, you know, that day we just, we book rehearsal time to get ready for the kids. You know, it always turns into some sort of jam session, you know, there's always a band, a song and that triggers another riff and, you know, and, or somebody warming up and, and it's like, what are you playing? Like, well, I don't know what I'm playing. I'm just, I'm just warming up. <laughs> and, and when we, uh, when we started it, you know, it, it was, I've been saying, you know, it's kind of the same formula with this band. It's, it's two guys from the UK and two guys from New York, you know, so it's got that European flair. And this was, you know, I think Ronnie's idea back in the day, you know, when they started Dio, you know, that he wanted to have more international flavor to the band. And, uh, so, <clears throat> so it's the same thing, you know, me and Vinny are both New York guys and, and, uh, we have that same attitude. We're constantly busting each other's balls and, and, you know, uh, eating, you know, the stuff that we grew up on, you know, and uh, criticizing stuff and just being, you know, 
sarcastic and analytical and, and just being, you know, just basically being dicks. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Being, being a dicks and East Coast thing. So we we're, we totally get into that since we're just outside of Boston. Yeah, yeah. We know that from, one. You guys you guys are from Massachusetts, right? Is that what I'm calling? Well, yep. not, we are, yeah. But I'm not from Massachusetts. Yeah. I'm from Ireland. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can hear it. Are you sure? Because, you know, you got to like No. I, I, There's I, a lot uh, of you guys in Southie, so I'm... I'm no, I'm, I, I'm, re- I'm really from Ireland, Andrew. I don't know, no, though. That's the second time this month somebody's called you on getting a little bit too Boston in your accent. Yeah. <laughs> actually, no, actually. what I'm saying is there's a lot of guys who talk like you in South Boston, so you're okay. Oh, yeah, uh, tons of them. Absolutely. Yeah, but I'm, I'm really green. <laughs> yeah, I can hear that. You and Vivian must have had a really good conversation. There. Yeah, we did. I, I, Vivian, yeah. Vivian asked me, you know, where I was from, and I said I'm from Waterford in Southern Ireland, and he said, well, sorry to hear about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I work with Robin McCauley, and he, he's always... He, he, he probably would never want me to say that, say this, but uh, <laughs> anytime we get anybody from the north coming through, like our signings, he just goes, oh, that accent, that accent. I was like, what are you talking about? You guys sound exactly the same. Because <laughs> 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 he's from Southern Ireland as well, you know? Yeah, he's from uh, uh, he's from Trim, I think, in Mead. I, I know exactly where he's from. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Robin, his brother's still over there, too. Yeah, Robin's, Ro- Robin's an awesome guy, yeah. We had him on the show a few yeah. months ago. Yeah, yeah I've, been, I've had the privilege of working with him for the past three and a half years, so he's uh, he's uh, kind of a mentor to me, so I love him uh, to death. So. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, swinging back to, to Jimmy, because, you know, I, I yeah. one of the things I like about this is, you know, since I'm an old fuck, that I bought all these albums on vinyl, and uh, you yeah, never I'm really could you. hear the bass on it, you know? But you know Jimmy was an awesome right. bass player, but this album... Right you can really hear his bass better than you ever could before. And I think it's great yeah. that, you know, people can really hear what a fantastic and creative bassist that guy was. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, as far as bass playing goes, I think he's, you know, uh, he, he one of the best, or, or he probably the best I've ever played with, because he's just, he, he can't, you don't even have to think about Jimmy. He, mm. just, he was a quiet guy, and he just was always in the room, and he never messed up. And, and when... You would forget parts, you know, and I know, I'm sure you guys are aware of his history, you know, he had some demons over the years, and he was just a party guy, you know, he got thrown out of Rainbow for partying too much. He was the entertainment director. uh, (laughs) Exactly, exactly. (laughs) So, but, you know, he's, you know, he'll be nodding out sometimes, falling asleep, and, and, uh, you know, he's always late, and he's just always disheveled and a mess, you know, he was always like that, but... You know, he he always had it together. When, when it came time to play, it was like he always woke. We just joked that he always woke up on the three. Uh-huh. And it was like <laughs> one, two, three. Jimmy's head pops up, and they start on the one. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, he's ready to go. You know, as soon as he hears that count off, he's ready to go. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, you know, just besides being a killer bass player, just you know, always perfectly behind the B, and you know, just always him and Vinny had this like almost telepathic thing going on between the two of them, and. um you know, he, he he was a great musician. On top of that, he played guitar, he sang, and and uh, you know, him he wrote a lot of stuff for us. You know, he was uh, there was a lot of stuff that you know were his riffs that he brought in, and and to look at him, you know, and to uh, you know to to hang out with him, you would never realize what's going on, you know, with this guy. But he he's just stellar, colossal. You know, any other adjective I could use, he's just the shit. You know, as far as a, a musician, any musician you would meet, because he's. So such a great songwriter and, and really great with arrangements, and he doesn't forget anything. Mm. Doesn't forget anything, you know. 
he's you know like I said he'll be sleeping in the corner or something and and Jim Vinny and, and, and Vivian and uh, Vinny are working on a part and then they forget the part and they'll go like Jimmy what was that part and he'll just kind of raise his head and be like oh it was this okay cool and then they go back into it so it's not the guy you would think would be the one who had the memory in the band you know yeah yeah but it's yeah just amazing just I mean even you know having played bass for a ton of years before I switched to guitar and I listened to like a song like Star Maker and I even told Vivian this it's just I would have never played what he played on that, but what he played, it absolutely envelops you and it makes the entire oh, yeah. song just incredible yeah, stuff. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I agree. He, um, it's funny when you mentioned how the record, you know, the bass on this record is, is way better. It's because he had a bass player, you know, engineer it too. And it was all, you know, at yeah. Pilsen's studio, yeah. at Pilsen's place, it's, you know, the bass gear is incredible. He's got these old, you know, um, Ampeg S&T heads and, yeah. And cabinets that they don't leave the house. They're yeah. basically just they're set up for that tone, and you know it was, you know I, I think you know, Jimmy uh, Vinny or nothing more to say. Jeff Jeff is a huge Jimmy Bain fan, you know, and he and you can tell the similarities between their playing because Jeff plays just like that. You know, he's that type of guy, and and the gear and he's got all this classic gear and it's these old you know beautiful basses that a lot of times you go in the studios, you know, and they have this vintage stuff, but it's mostly guitars. Nobody really collects. It doesn't seem like I've ever heard people going, oh, I want vintage basses, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, there's only two guys that I know. It's Jeff Tilson and uh, my buddy who's in UFO now, Rob DeLuca. They mm-hmm. have, you know, they're, they're all about bass gear, you know, all about bass gear. And it, and it makes a difference, you know, when you, you get an old, you know, well, I think he, uh, Jimmy used his, his Yamaha on the, on yeah, the record. Yeah. But, you know, Jeff, Jeff had all these, you know, 60s, you know, uh, P basses and J basses and, and uh, just sitting there ready to go. He's like, no, I'll just he used what he used, but it's that fucking tone, man. It's just yeah. like, it's ungodly. And it was like a 60s SVT head he was using. It's just unbelievable sound. So, yeah, yeah, so when you definitely. have a bass player like Jimmy Bain, you have a bass player like Jimmy Bain, and you get a bass player Jeff Tilson engineering <laughs> Jimmy Bain, you know, it's going to be a bass heavy record. You, know, you just can't. And that's not a bad thing. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, I know. We had, uh, like, I think maybe like two tours ago on the Foreigner tours, we sat down and, and hung out with Jeff for a while, and, and Jeff and I yeah. discussed that SVT in detail, and Richie doesn't play at all, so he's just like, what are these two idiots babbling on and on about? But we're, <laughs> we're just like, you know, like gear masturbation about SVT heads, and I was so happy yeah. when I saw that on the video. So I'm like, yeah, there it is, SVT. But you can hear yeah. it, too. I mean, the SVTs, they have a sound no other bass amp has. Yeah, well, that amp he has is, is the growl, yeah. man. It's unbelievable, and then you get a guy who knows what you're doing playing through an amp like that. It's Absolutely, fucking magic, yep. magical. Guess, yeah. You know? so. now, Andrew, one of the things that's in the DVD um, when they're talking about the origins of the band is that Vinny knew you. So, how, how did exactly did Vinny know you? Uh, we met back in 2005 uh, in LA. He I was doing a tour with George Lynch uh, for Lynch Mob, and it was me and um, Martin Anderson and George, and uh, we were supposed to be Tommy Aldridge was supposed to come in and do the gig, and then uh, Tommy wasn't available, and we got he, he got Vinny at the, the last minute, and so I like found out the day before that they made that switch, and I was stoked because Lynch Mob was kind of the first band that I did that was a you know a bigger band, and um, and you know I'm walking I was in the parking lot and I see Vinny getting out of this little you know white Saturn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause he's, cause he's cheap. And, uh, <laughs> and so he, he, you know, I was like, Oh my God, it's Vinny Apsey, you know, holy shit. You know? So, but then, you know, after 10 minutes of, you know, you know, singing accolades, it just, you know, we had to get to work. So, uh, but yeah, so I've known him since 2005 and, and, uh, when we did, uh, we did a little bit of touring with George and then we just stayed friends over the years and, you know, 
I'd see him at NAM. We didn't really talk a lot. We did a project uh, that didn't really see any light with um, with JD uh, uh, John DeServo from uh, Black Label Society, and um, and this guy Ira Black on guitar. We wrote like three or four songs, but it just never went anywhere. Never did anything with it. And then um, just kept in touch. And and I ran into him again at a rehearsal studio when I was doing a gig with Jimmy Bain and uh, Craig Boldy. Um, we had a cover gig we were doing in Wisconsin or something. We opened for a warrant. And he was doing the gym. Vinny was doing a drum lesson down the hall. And he was like, heard me sing and didn't realize it was me. And we were doing all the old Dio stuff. And, and he was just like, oh, hey, man. I didn't. I was wondering who was singing in there, you know. And uh, we just kind of reconnected there. And then probably about eight months later, he uh, contacted me about going down and jamming with those guys. So, and just, you know, they were getting together to do a little jam and, and uh, just for fun. And there was no, you know, no intention to do anything else but that. So I was like, hell yeah, I'll come down. Are you kidding me? So... from originally you guys were just doing the Dio songs to recording new material was that a surprise right. to you was or, like or did you see it coming like you know that they, they were going to go okay we actually want to do new material you know I, I didn't you know I, again everything's been kind of a, a pleasant surprise with this band because you know believe it or not the band's been together for four years you know and um, we did our first jam in April four years ago and, uh, you know, I was doing, I was actually doing a session for Rock Vault. So when we were doing the Rock Vault, like recordings for the records that we sell at the show before it was even a show. So I had to leave that session and run over and, uh, I jammed with those guys for about a half an hour and that was about it. And we, we didn't, and there was no intention of doing anything. It wasn't an intention of doing gigs. You know, we, we did, you know, after we played, we're like, well, maybe we should go out and book a couple shows. And then that turned into, you know, well, um, you know, maybe uh, somebody would be interested in signing this, you know, and then we got the offer from Frontiers, and, and uh, you know, I, I'm i telling you, just, it's just like this happy surprises that are happening, and, 
And um, I don't, um, I never foresee, I never, I never thought it was going to become what it was, you know, what it is now. You know, there was, uh, I want to say, was it Classic Rock Magazine or somebody did a story on it and they, they've had the top 10 Jimmy Bain recorded moments and we were on it with, you know, with uh, Rainbow Rising, you know, and that's where I was just like, you gotta be kidding me, you know, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's, it's just a testament, I think, to what, you know, these guys do and how, yeah. how the chemistry, and I was just very fortunate to be brought into that chemistry, you know, and, and it was fortunate that it worked out, you know, so yeah. it doesn't happen often. I wasn't expecting it to be that. I was expecting it to just be another one of those bands, you know, like Hurricane and Lynch Mob, where I just come in and I'm just the hired guy. And, mm. you know, and that's kind of how it was explained to me when we first started. I was just the guy who was going to sing the songs and, and that was it, you know, but uh, um, it turned into something else. And now it's a, now it's a real band, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and it's, yeah, I'm interested that you, you know, use the word chemistry because that's one of the comments Richie first made to me when he saw the DVD is he was like, wow, you're right about that DVD. And, and, you know, he said one of the things he really likes about it is that you can really see the chemistry between you guys and the band. And you don't see that a lot with, with a lot of bands nowadays, but I, I agree with him. You really could see a really good chemistry with all of you guys. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Like a guy like me who's, you know, basically hits the lottery when he joins a band like this, you know, you're like, you're the only thing that's not legit in that chemistry, you know, so you got to kind of, you know, work a little harder or, or be yourself, you know, it's like, you can either go, fuck it, I'm just going to do what I do, or I'm going to try to emulate what this guy's going to do. Right. But I think there's a balance. You know, and then you made it, you made it right. Cause you were picking up the dog poop. So you just kind of, you got the in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cleaning the car, detailing the cars. Yeah. You know, sometimes you got to do that shit, you know? Yeah. I mean, that was my day job. I, I was a dog walking on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So but, Andrew, but yeah, it's, Come on, yeah, sorry. sorry. No, I was, I was no, going. No, no, I was going to ask you. Um, one question I want to, I want to ask is, um, of course, you did get to sing with Vivian's other band on the Def Leppard cruise. So how how did how did yeah. that come about? Yeah, his side band. His, his side band. <laughs> his side band. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it was it, it, the experience was amazing. You know, it was. Uh, you know, uh, the, the, the only downside it, that was, I think probably the second, uh, uh, the first, I mean, because my day on Friday was a shit storm that weekend was a shit storm. Mm. Um, uh, cause that Saturday, I don't want to bring a downer to this because I, the deaf, deaf leopard thing was a, a dream come true. It, I, I knew all, I know all the material, you know, all the classic material. Mm -hmm. I was in a tribute band to them, you know, a few years back and, uh, you know, so when I walked in, it was, uh, you know, um, Phil Collin handed me a, a set list. He said, well, what songs do you know? And I said, well, what songs do you know? <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I can do the first two records from beginning to end. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I know Phil, you know, they don't do a lot of that stuff anymore. So let's do the whole Arms for the Night record, you know, and they start laughing, <laughs> you know. But, uh, uh, you know, Joe was really cordial and, and really helpful and, and just, you know, a stand up guy, you know, he's an, he's just a normal dude, you know, and you'd think a guy like that who's made, you know, so been involved in so many hits and, and, and just had a, you know, 30, 40 year career, you know, you think he'd be a little more rock star ish, you know, and, um, and, and especially when somebody's, you know, basically taking your wife on a date, you know, um, it's, it's, I can imagine it was really hard for him to, you know, he stood there the whole time and watched the whole show mm. and he introduced the band as well. So to, to see your, you know, your, your baby out there 
you know, your, your car being driven by somebody else, your, your, <laughs> your really expensive car being driven by somebody else. I can imagine that was really hard for him. But, um, you know, I just, my whole thing is I just wanted to do it justice. And, and I was happy to the fact that I knew the songs, the album versions of the songs, so that all the fans that were not happy that he wasn't singing, you know, at least, you know, they would get maybe the next best thing. You know? Yeah. What, um, what songs did you do, Andrew? Uh, we did uh, Bring It On The Heartbreak and uh, Let It Go. Yeah, really yeah, you got you got the stuff on YouTube, and I, I, you know, I don't watch all of it because sometimes the quality isn't great. And I, there was one clip on it though that had Vivian. I think he sang Hysteria, was it? And he's a really good singer. Yeah, yeah, he's great. He's got a little side band he does called. Um, Another little side band called uh, uh, Sir Sadoff and something uh, in the Wankers or something. I don't know. They do little shows around LA sometimes, and it's him and uh, Glenn Sobel who plays with Alice Cooper, and I can't remember the bass player's name. But um, they do these little gigs, and he he does hysteria in the set, and yeah, he's he's an amazing singer. So I knew I knew he knew that, and uh, but uh, you know he him and Phil, the whole band just they just kind of you know they, they nailed it. You know they they really took a. Uh, unfortunate situation and, and just, you know, kind of blew the, the roof off the place. And that turned into a really unique Def Leppard show that, you know, nobody's really seen before, you know, that nobody's maybe not probably won't see again, you know, because when he said he was going to do in a cancel the tour dates, you know, if he's having, still having problems, I was like, 
I was just kind of trying to will my phone in the ring to come to some of the dates, you know? Yeah. But I think they made the right decision. You, you can't go out without Joe. Joe is Def Leppard. You know, yeah. he's, he's, you know, not nothing against the other guys, but, you know, Joe, that's Joe's band, you know? So, so it was amazing. But the only, the, the downside of the whole day, this is where I'm going to bring it down, um, was, you know, an hour before we did that, that's when we found Jimmy. So, um, and, uh, you know, so it, it was, it, it was kind of best of times, worst of times scenario. You know, we, we did the rehearsal, went upstairs, found Jimmy, uh, who had passed, um, that day. And, uh, and then we had to make a decision whether we we're going to go forward and do the show or not. And everybody was like, let's do it. You know, we just tried to, we tried to keep it, you know, under wraps for a day so that we could, you know, you know, at least contact Jimmy's daughter and his girlfriend and, and his fiance. I mean, and, uh, you know. So it was, it was rough, you know, it was rough, but we, we went out and everybody was totally professional and, and we just, we, we nailed it home. You know? Yeah. I, I know it got off. I know the information got off the boat and it's just the way social yeah. media is now. And it, mm-hmm. it sucks with things like that, you know, but yeah, you know, yeah. it, it is what it is. You can't control things like this. And I, I, I believe the family right. found out on social media before anyone could really contact them directly. They did. We had, uh, we had one guy who, um, who I guess took it upon himself to um, to send out a text, you know, to uh, some former band members and of, of Jimmy's, and and uh, and it just you know it, it just went viral from there because basically it was it was during the NAM convention and uh, you guys familiar with the NAM convention? Yes, we are. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So you know, and you so you know how that is. So it's Saturday night at NAM. Every musician in the world, you know, most of them are in the hotel bar, yeah. you know, hanging yeah. out. So one text went to one person, one person tweets it, and it's everywhere. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it was unfortunate, but it's just the world we live in now. You know, yeah. you can't, you know, we were a little pissed, you know, obviously, but, you know, there's, it is what it is. I mean, you can't, you know, that's one thing I kind of have adapted, adopted in my in my life. It's just you, you, you got to kind of not sweat that stuff. You know, it's going to happen, and it's definitely not our intention to to you know at least get the info to his his daughter and his fiance first. But you know, the problem was we we didn't have Jimmy's phone, we didn't have anybody's phone number, we you know in his family, so you know, and they and we couldn't get to his stuff. So that was that was the, the tough part about it. But you know. That's that's the world we live in, right? Yeah. yeah. And of course, Andrew, have you any update on? I know you're doing a show in in Italy in April. Is there any other any other news you can tell us on that, or is it all up in the air still? Um, no, we're still doing the show. We have we're getting together on Tuesday, and we're going to sort that out. We have um, we have some friends coming down, um, and we're going to um, bass player friends. We're going to come down, and uh, you know, we're going to see how it goes. We have about five guys that. Um, we handpicked, you know, we're not, here's the funny, here's the, the touchy situation. The touchy part about this is that, you know, there's, there's, you can get a guy and just put him in there and he can do a great job and, and all that. But there's, you know, 23, 22 more hours that you're going to be spending with this person. Mm. And, uh, and, and it's gotta be the right guy, you know, yeah. and, and it allows getting back to the whole, the formula of the band, you know, it was the two UK guys, the two New York guys, you know, um, we would like to, I, th- I think we would like to, you know, get somebody who is, 
in that same vein, you know, and, and somebody who is a friend and um, is at least in the family, you know. There's been a lot of people on, on social media, again, just, you know, giving us suggestions on who we should get, you know. Well, they should get this guy, or they should get this guy, or they should get that guy. And and, um, and it's appreciated, because it is appreciated, but, you know, certain guys that they're talking about just wouldn't fit in this mold, you know. And um, there's no trips here, man. There's no rock star trips here. Everybody's just a normal person, and, and uh, you can't roll into that chemistry and, and you know and think it's just going to happen you know? yeah, <laughs> I mean, no, if, I know. if it does great so but it's got to be it, it, whoever it's, it is it's going to be a friend and it's going to be somebody who's in you know our extended family yeah know, well, of, yeah. well uh, players yeah. yeah well personally Andrew I, I like I do hope that the band continues but after watching the DVD and seeing the way you guys interact I completely understand if you actually decided not to go forward and do any more live yeah. shows like I, I get it completely, you know. So I under it must be very, very difficult for you guys. Yeah, it it, it is, but we're you know I I I I'd like to think we're going to continue, but again, we're not. You know, we're just it's just up in the air. You know, we're going to do a couple things. And, yeah, you know, we have Rockahoma Rock as well in May, and we just we booked a show in Vegas to warm up for um um warm up for uh, for Italy, so for Frontiers Festival, so. Um, so we'll see how, how it goes, you know, it's, it's all going to depend on chemistry and, you know, and uh, honestly how the album does, if, if people want the album, if they want the band and they want to see, hear the songs and, you know, I think that's the telltale thing. If we go out and it's just not, it's a bummer, you know, to go out, that's going to be a factor, you know? Yeah. So, and, you know, and I'm going to, you know, I, I, I'm the one who benefits, I think, from the most, as far as, you know, notoriety and, and all that. Yeah, because Finney and Vivian are, are have been there, done that. So this is new for me, yeah. and um, and I and I'm getting a lot of attention, and I'm all, and I'm on the fence about it. You know, yeah. like I would love to continue, but I don't have to. You know, we don't have to. It's if we did one great album and it becomes one of those records that everybody goes, man, what well, you know, what what if you know maybe we'll be the band. It's like oh, I wish those guys would have continued on. You know, kind of like they were about the original Dio band. I wish they would have done something else, but you know. At least we have those three guys doing a quality record um, with, you know, the right way with epic videos and, and, uh, and uh, you know, and just epic songs and, you know, that uh, and, and just Jimmy going out on top, you know, right. I think it's, it's, it's a great thing, you know, yeah. great thing. So couldn't that's agree enough more. for me. You know? Yeah. And, and I definitely, you know. People just sometimes they discount chemistry, but you know I know I've been in bands, and you know I can remember one time in particular we had a guitar player who was un like ungodly brilliant guitar player, but and we could play really well on stage, but none of us could stand him off stage, and it just it brought the whole thing down. He just no one wanted to be with him. He got yeah. on stage, and everyone thought, "Wow, these guys are so you know such a unit." And if they could ever have seen us off stage, they would have been like, "Oh, okay, he must be the asshole." So yeah, just yeah. oh yeah, I have. <laughs> Was sure, that you've Lynch been mob? there too. <laughs> was that Lynch Mob? <laughs> was that Lynch Mob? That's weird. Uh, hey, guys, hold on one second. My son, he's going to have to see this from some <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but uh, definitely, you know, one thing that's really interesting about this album is that, you know, I've heard a lot of stuff that Jeff's produced over his production career, and there's always a certain, like, Pilsen signature stamp to a lot of that. But what's amazing is I actually don't hear it on this record, which tells me that you guys had so much more input on the arrangements and stuff, and uh, there's a lot less of, of Jeff's flavor on it overall. Je Jeff's flavor as a songwriter? As a, as a producer. Um, you know, 
I, I don't know. I think a lot of the stuff is already pre-existing and, and awesome when we walk through the door. So, uh, he did a lot. Uh, you know, he just was really um, helpful. You know, that's kind of where an arrangement, you know, yeah. of songs. Um, you know, there's a lot of times when we were doing, there's just one or two songs on there that I, I was just like, man, it sounds like a docking record because of his background vocals, you know, and, <laughs> and being with George for so long and, and, uh, you know, kind of, kind of being a docking fan forever. He was, he went home and be like, man, that's right off, you know, the living end or something, you know, or, um, you know, I, I think that's where his, his strong, where he, his contribution to this was, was the, you know, lyric content. He helped, he helped me, you know, kind of hone, you know, the choruses and, mm-hmm. and some of the verses and, and um, just getting the harmonies right. And um, there was a lot of times where he was like trying to get me to sing certain parts. And I, you know, sometimes I couldn't get it. I just wasn't getting it. And he kept singing it to me and singing it to me. I was like, Jeff, get the fuck in here and you do it, you know? <laughs> Because it'll sound cool, you know, like yeah. just get in here and do it and we'll do it's done, you know. So and, and to have like my voice, you know, textured with different parts, I'd rather have my voice, you know, doing that because it shows it, you know, because yeah. um, he's he an incredible singer as well. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. definitely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, lyrics on here. I mean, you hit a home run with the lyrics on here. I mean, stuff in Orange you. Glow and uh, the sickness. I mean, just. I mean, if you really listen to those lyrics, and I hope people do, I mean, you say a lot of stuff in there. Yeah, there's a lot of words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we I kind of try to steer away from the the rainbows and dragons bit, you know. Yeah. Um, fantasy, not that there's, you know, anything wrong with that. We all love running, and, you know, guys who write like that, um, that's part of the thing. You got that whole, you know, the whole problem and all that stuff, some mm. magical type stuff. And, but I, I just don't, I don't come from that world, you know. Right. And if I was doing stuff like that, I, I think I tried to slip the word rainbow into a song just to kind of be like a shout out, you know. But I was like, this is stupid. <laughs> I, I can't do this, you know. I can't sing this with my face, you know. Um, so you know, we tried to, I tried to bring it to like a street level. Yeah about personal, you know, things that affect you and then a little bit of governance stuff. But two meetings to where it's um you know like something like I am revolution, you know, mm-hmm. it's more of a more of a government cycle of you know, tyrants and cycles of government, like one person's way to sled and there's a revolution. Right. They take over and then give them ten years and they're corrupt now and they're oppressing the people and then somebody else it's a whole you know, the whole bullshit of, of government, you know? Right. Um, but it could also be, a, you know, an inner revolution, you know, taking care of yourself and all that stuff. So a lot of it's just, you know, personal, you know, personal experiences. So it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. But I don't, I, you know, I don't sit down and go, I'm going to write a song about me. I'm going to write it. I just, you know, you listen to the radio and, you, you know, you just get a, a lyric idea and then you just kind of go with it. You just write it. You write, 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 write. And then you sort it out at the end. What right. Do you mean? Yep. So, yeah. Definitely. And it could mean something to somebody, something different to somebody else. That's it's, the best thing about songs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, I got, got, we'll finish off with the, Andrew. I've got to say, the album is fantastic. I, the one thing I didn't mention to Vivian, it must have been tough for you to sit on it for a year, though, and not actually release it. Yeah, yeah. I I saw a picture the other day on Facebook, uh, like it, it's a time hop sort of thing where they tell you what happened. It was going on a year before, and it was me and Jeff sitting in this 
studio, you know, uh, finish it up some, you know, last, I think the last two songs. Mm. So yeah, it's been, it's been tough, you know, it, it was, uh, it's a great record and I think we made the right decision by waiting. I, you know, I really wish that, you know, um, if we, the only, the only thing I don't like, I'm not happy with is that if we would have released earlier, you know, we probably would have had a little more time with Jimmy doing some shows. Right. Um, you know, we only really got to play the songs, um, the new songs live once with him in, in Florida. Right. And, um, you know, so that was great. You know, it was great that we actually were able to do that. And, you know, he was so sick, man. And just, just smiling the whole time and so happy, you know, to be back, I think to be back on that level doing his own stuff, you know, mm. stuff that he wrote. And, right. um, so, um, so yeah, that's the only bummer of it, but, um, we're happy to, um, um, I don't know. We're happy to, that is just, that is out and people are digging it and, right. you know, um, hopefully we'll get to bring it to the masses, you know, if it, if it works out. Yeah, yeah. I hope so too. Definitely. Thanks again for, uh, taking a little bit of time out of your Sunday and, uh, hopefully we won't, uh, won't, won't make you late for the NASCAR race. So, uh, go enjoy that. Nah, it's okay. <laughs> don't worry. We'll be fine. <laughs> you never know. They, they, maybe they turned right while you weren't there, you know, you missed it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all, it's just, it's, it's just going to be like a couple times around the track, and then I know my son's going to lose it just after. Minutes, so he'll be fine. But luckily, right. it's 20 minutes away, and I didn't pay for the ticket. So, hooray. There you go. Nice one. Nice one. you got to get the beers in, though. Yeah, we'll get a couple of beers and some hot dogs. <laughs> so. All right, Andrew. We'll leave you go. And uh, thanks for, thanks Thank for uh, talking to us, okay? Of course. If you ever need anything, you got my number. Hit me up. I will do, Andrew. All right. Have thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. There you go. There is our talk with Andrew Freeman. Now, we had another interview recently that was probably the most bizarre interview we've done lately. Which one was that? And that was with uh, with Michael from Halloween. Oh, that was... <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So that was uh, that was rather interesting. So um, this one, yeah, you listen to it, and we kind of get cut off at about the 14-minute mark. And I was bummed. Yeah. I was, like... Michael, Michael was good. He was yeah. okay, right? Yeah. Uh, but so, some of the some of the questions I asked and and the, when, the way he started answering them, I was like, "Oh fuck, is that a dumb question?" And then I was thinking, I didn't think it was that dumb. And uh, 
he was some he was really good answering some questions uh-huh. and with others it was like yeah yeah i don't really care yeah and uh and then of course the final question i i because they have the hell book out which is the history yeah. of the band yeah. cool book and um the question i wanted to ask was they were on the bill in 88 when uh it, i think it was iron maiden kiss david lee roth megadeth Guns N' Roses and Halloween, yeah, right? And that was the Guns N' Roses gig where the two kids got killed. I think there was 106,000 at it. Yeah. So I asked him about the Halloween gig, what was his memories of it? And yeah. he said he remembered all of it. Yeah. And the fucking tour manager took the phone off him. Yeah. And that was interview over. And I was like, fuck. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and usually your Donington questions, those are like absolute sure hit questions. Like, yeah. You always get a great reaction on it. But again... Like the most bizarre interview we've done in a while because um, he was late. Yeah, well, he yeah, exactly. He was late, like like fifteen minutes late. Yeah, more um, no more than that. Yeah, that's right, that's right. And then, the, you know, the the tour manager calls us, and then he makes us wait on the phone while he's getting Mike, and then he basically counted the time it took him to go get him, as and added it time. on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then he he took the phone off him, and he said. Thanks, lads. We've got other interviews scheduled. And I was thinking to myself, yeah, but you were late with us. Yeah. Like we had, you know, yeah. so we got shafted. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. Well, yeah. But when he came, he comes on, he says, yeah, yeah. Well, you were scheduled for 20 minutes. And I'm looking going, yeah, okay. Well, we did 14. Yeah. And he said he was <laughs> going to take, hang on five minutes until I give the phone over to Mike. And then that, we got, yeah, yeah, he counted that yeah. in. So, uh, sort of an interesting interview. So, um, Here's our interview with uh, with Michael from Halloween. Yeah, and before we go anywhere, yeah. they're still a great band. I still love them. Yep, yep. This is Don Michael Whitehead of Halloween, and you're on Focus on Metal with Rich and Scott. Stay tuned. No, it's um, it's Richie from Focus on Metal here. Yep. Um, you probably tell I'm an Irish guy, so uh, we're out. We're just outside of Boston, so uh, I'm here with my co-host Scott. How are we doing today? I'm not an Irish guy. Uh, <laughs> I, I seem to remember. Did we have the pleasure before? No, we've never had anyone from Halloween on the show. Always wanted to, though. Okay, it was just because I remember the the, the, the two guys, you know, who said they were like Scottish and stuff, and and <laughs> and this, uh, that that gave me like a, a slight reminder of of what may have been. So okay, okay. Uh, wow, this, somebody out there is stealing our shtick. I don't know. <laughs> this, this can't be. Okay. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's great to have you with us. We have got the pleasure today of talking to uh, one of the guys who's been with Halloween since the very beginning. And, of course, he is the master of all guitars with Halloween. And he's with us uh, this afternoon, direct from a, uh, a flat tire chain. So we're lucky to have him on. And uh, how are we doing today? Yeah, well, I mean, I had my share of sleep in the morning. And uh, then the, that thing with the tire happened <laughs> on the, uh, the tour bus. And I don't know. I went right back to sleep, and then, <laughs> you know, when I woke up, we've been at this, uh, oh, I forgot the name, you know, that nice American, you know, where they accept any kinds of uh, strange people, you know, where they got the nifty, cute stuff, tell me what that's called. Something oh, with, a truck stop. Yeah, something with a barrel. A oh, cracker. cracker barrel, oh yeah. <laughs> lucky lucky you. That was cute, that was cute. <laughs> and, uh, we, we made our way here to the... Uh, uh, Double Tree Hotel. There you go. Well, at least you got a flat tire on on a day off, right? Because this is uh, you're between dates today, right? 
Yeah, that's just what you need, and it's about to get dark right now, and so <laughs> spin the day off. Okay. There you go. So, Michael, you're, it's a very short tour of the U.S. you're doing this time around. Is it very difficult for you guys to get over to the U.S. now, or has it gotten any easier? No. In fact, uh, we can afford it uh, without losing money. The only thing is if the fans are willing to come, you know, if, if they come in numbers and they get their tickets, then this is feasible and doable. If they don't come, you can forget about it. You yeah. Know? And, we're just doing this like on a uh, on a on a base of honorary mission in a way, you know. Just so you know, we can say, okay, we we cater to the American fans as well because they're like really heartfelt and whatever. And what reason would there be, you know, to exclude them from touring? You know, we, we do that like uh, every every second turn only. Anyways, right? I mean, we we come one year and then we don't come for another two or three years and then we come again. And uh, it's uh, because we can. And so it's always a matter of like, if there's a promoter making us an offer, you know, for this, and uh, you can never be sure, and particularly this time of year, you know, I'd rather stay on my bench or on my sofa with, with a dog or other pet or whatever and watch some TV or play something on, you know, at, at, at times like this one, it's that cold. But, you know, we've been told we have a tour here, and so we got here, and I just hope, you know, there's going to be some fans showing up. And how did the show go last night? It was the first night, was it in New York? It was very good, uh, particularly for New York. It was just like 800 people, and they kind of filled like the first half of the auditorium. It was looking good, you mm -hmm. know. It was a nice place to play. Yeah, is, yeah. Is, is there a particular part of the U.S. that have always, that's always been really loyal to you guys? I can tell. I can tell because I didn't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, um, uh, Montreal and, 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 and Quebec, that was really happening. Yeah. I mean, it almost took on dimensions of uh, feeling like you've been in South America. So heartfelt they were, and so, but that's no big news. I mean, they've always been like that. And then we went to New York, which is kind of like a show at a hometown, you know. Like what I what I also said during the show is like that that uh, uh, where the rain grows actually was written in New York because I spent like half a year there in 1990, and so the the demo and playback for where the rain goes, uh, happened there, same as giants on the, uh, on the uh, chameleon. Mm -hmm. And so I just couldn't help myself but put that forward yesterday, because after we played that, I told the people, because as far as I know, we never played it there or here, where the rain goes has never been played here where it came from. Hmm. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah. So how difficult is it for, for a band with a catalogue like yours to pick a set list? It's very hard, but then, you know, we rely on what we like, what is doable, what is conceivable and conveyable, and what the youngest band members say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and what the, uh, what the uh, management says. Yeah. yeah, and, I, and I, get, I think it also must be even more difficult for you guys because you're definitely a band who's evolved quite a long way from your earlier albums to what you do now as well. It's, you know, you can always tell it's Halloween, but it's definitely a, a different sound now than it was before. And that, I just, to me, I would think, holy crap, how do you, how do you balance all that off? Because you're definitely going to have those old school hardcore fans that, you know, probably want to have you play, you know, 
keeper for the eighth time in a row in its entirety kind of thing. And then you've got other people that, that are really into all of the new stuff. That's exactly the way you would say. And then, you know, yeah, you've got to find the balance and eventually hope for understanding of both groups of fans. And then there's also... Yeah, some some ultra group in the middle, you know, that that doesn't want any of it. Uh, there's people who just want to hear the dark right stuff. Yeah, mm. yeah, and, yeah. Well, it's it's hard to cater to everyone, but that's what we do, and then we 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 hope we're all friends, you know, and everybody likes us afterwards. We're just trying to to do uh, the best we can. There you go. Yeah. So, Michael, it's it's very difficult over here on commercial radio to get any like hard rock or metal played like all they seem to play is all is all the really old stuff is european radio like that now like would you get a lot of airplay on commercial radio in europe uh, i've no idea okay <laughs> I, I wouldn't i wouldn't reckon no okay but internet radio yeah so yeah. i mean like, uh, what what everyone wants to listen to i mean they got the free choice you know whatever yeah it's different times it's difficult times and I don't know. I, I've, I've got no clue. I mean, we're, we're just going on and we try as good as we can and hopefully, you know, people like us and uh, at least usually they, they, they still want to see live shows. And mm. just recently I've, I've, I've got the, uh, I've got the kick again with like, uh, Uli John Ross on the, uh, Monsters of Rock groups that we were part of. And, and when he played, you know, there's, uh, there's recordings of that on the YouTube, right? And I watched it because I just wanted to remember it. And it has nothing to do with what I saw and felt and and took in, you know? That was just like 100% pure magic, what he was doing there. And then I look at the YouTube recordings and it's not the same. Yeah. It doesn't even sound as good as it was and it even sounds a little bit wrong sometimes. And what I saw, there was no flaw, there was nothing wrong, and it was 100% magic. So that's the difference between YouTube and a real show. Yeah, that's one of the things, Michael, I hate about going to shows. I go and I watch the band play with my eyes. I don't watch them through a, you know, a four-inch screen on my phone. Yeah, yeah. and we've had similar things going to shows and being like, oh, this is awesome. And you, we, oh, yeah, there's footage of it. And you just you watch about 30 seconds of it and go. No, just not getting the same feeling at all. So yeah, we're totally with you. And of course, you know, you know, you speak about the radio and, and what you know or don't know about getting played. And that to me just spoke as there's a guy who's really happy with just doing music, knows he he writes great songs and isn't worried about who is or isn't playing it. So it's 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 great to hear that there's still musicians like you that that have that kind of feeling. We have that attitude. It's a it's a German saying, you know, close your eyes and get through it. Mm. Yeah. What would you have? Something similar? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and you guys, you've been doing it for a long time. And, you know, one thing we definitely want to mention is, you know, last October, you guys put out Hellbook, which I think is a fantastic idea. I was very upset that I didn't get in on the first 777 copies because uh, I'm thinking, damn it, I really wanted those extra 58 pages. But uh, wow. just looks to be an amazing, amazing book. Even the regular edition bears like lots of lots of good stuff, and, and it's, it's it's basically identical to the luxury edition except for the the hardcover that ain't there, and, and I, I think it's even embossed to a certain degree, and 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 what you miss out on is the original uh, autographs, you know, that got patched in there on on on. on 
expensive piece of paper, you know, that's what you won't get with the regular edition, but I think more or less everything else is in there. Okay. Yeah, Michael, was there any particular part of the, the story of the band that you really wanted to emphasize in the book that you think might have been overlooked? I wouldn't know. I mean, I've, I've been very involved in, yeah, getting the English corrected in there with the lecture. And, uh, yeah, that, that person, you know, would uh, contact me, like, very often for logical questions and stuff and for fact-checking and stuff. And I was like, oh, God, will this ever end? <laughs> and I, I don't know what's, what's overemphasized or not, you know, in that book. And I don't, frankly, really care, you know. I'm just glad the book is out. And if people say it's amazing, you know, that's the main thing. Yeah. yeah. Now, if I had gone back to, say, you in, say, the mid-80s and said that you'd still be playing in Halloween 30 years from now, would you, to- would you say it was mad? You can turn it each and every way you want it, you know. It's the way it is, and it's probably good. Yeah. It's the same, you know, with the very Bible, excuse me if I say so, but there isn't all the things that ought to be in there in the very Bible we use, you know. Mm-hmm. And still, it's the official book, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and obviously, it, you know, 30 years is 30 years, so it's a great time to put it up, but I think there's also been a lot of, of metal fans now, especially people who are like discovering all of the you know the classic bands like you guys that that want to get a book like that and see all the great pictures and you know all that stuff that they missed and of course because now pretty much most print magazines they're gone away now and the the internet is just like fly by night but to have something like that that you can look through all the time and, and really get into i think it's it's just perfect for this time. What I wanted to do, you know, when I looked at them pictures, you know, I always took like my thumb and index finger and I always wanted to scale them larger, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the book, incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Michael, I want to ask about the um, the festival scene in Europe still seems to be as strong as ever. Do you have any, any thoughts on why? Say again, please. Um, the festival scene in Europe, the likes of Vakken and all the other festivals, they all they still seem to be going as strong as ever. Like, would you? you get it. How, how people, you know, like you know, want to want to mingle and collect uh, in these kind of masses, you know, with like tents and stuff. Yeah. I never get to that because I mean, for me, that wouldn't be really comfortable. But it, it really goes. It's going. And uh, there's there's some kind of spell behind it. I don't know how that comes, but. They are going there in masses, and and festival are uh, festivals are multiplying. You know, there's so many festivals uh, as of recent. You you wouldn't know where that's coming from, but there's a will of people, you know, to see live music and and be part of the whole thing. Yeah, I, I want to ask you about one festival show you played, Michael. Uh, you played the Donington show. Um, do you have in? I think it was in '88. Do you have any memories of that show? Yes, I remember everything. Okay. Mm-hmm. guys uh, we were set for 20 minutes Uh, the uh, tour manager just got into my room and uh, he wants me to do something I don't know what it is but that means I think we have more people in line for the next interview sure thank you so much we appreciate it guys no problem thank you thanks very much alright Michael best of luck on the tour bye guys bye
stranded in Belize. Ten hours we must wait. They started with a flight show, so the airport opens late. Nobody really told us. Nobody seems to know. Now we're sitting here all drinking. We hope to catch the show. there you go for another week of focus on metal uh, i'm not sure what we're doing next week uh got a mega crap load of stuff to run it uh might be I, i've been kind of thinking about doing a whole I, i've got enough stuff now to do kind of a few weeks of uh of texas metal so i don't know i might actually just run for a few weeks of, of Texas-based metal. Okay. Um, but you never know. I mean, something else could pop up in the middle of April and blow that out of the water. True. So, um, And we have Little Mountain. And we have Little Mountain. Yep. I mean, originally I was going to do March. I was going to do March as Texas Metal Month. And it's been totally blown out of the water. So, uh, well, get Glenn Hughes and Vivian Campbell and all that. They're gonna exactly. Go up front. Yep. So don't know what we're doing next week. But uh, we do have a lot of great stuff in the can, ready for you to roll for you guys. So I'm sure whatever it is, you're going to be digging it. Um, you know, in the meantime, as we always say, keep up with us at FocusOnMetal.net, FocusOnMetal.blogspot.com. Hit Richie up on Facebook. Hit me up on Twitter. And um, that's it. So uh, for this week, Scott. Richie. Telling you to have yourselves a good metal week. And until we talk to you again next week, remember. Focus on Metal. Everything else is insignificant. It's over. Go home.